And so, Father, we gather today to join with heaven, to join with the angels as we rejoice around our Savior, Jesus, who is the Christ, the one that your word calls Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. We pray now today upon this service, upon your word today, that it will not return void. May it accomplish your desired will. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> if you would open in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, beginning at verse number 21, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, beginning at verse number 21. <clears throat> reads as following. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God is with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary, his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and called his name Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Over the next couple of weeks, what I want to do is I want to talk about the advent of Christ. The advent of Christ. And during this series, I not only want to talk with you about the advent of Christ, but also want to introduce to you something, a tradition, um, a practice that you can incorporate into your life, that you can incorporate around your family gathering that will help keep the holiday Christ-focused. For so many of us, we, we believe and we understand that Jesus is the reason for the season. We say that. We believe that. We understand that Jesus is the reason for the season. But in actuality, so much of how we experience and live through the season, we see more of our attention, attention towards the season than the one who is the reason for the season. You know, at the end of the day, you know, I know our heart is right. I know our intentions are right. But there's something about the season that seems to pull us into all of the activity, the busyness, the commercialism of the season, so that even for many of us as Christians, the season and the reason for us doesn't appear to be that much different than those of the secular society. That for so many of us, even though we know that Jesus is the reason for the season, we all get pulled into the shopping, the busyness, the hectic schedule, the rush, so that by the time the season is over, quite frankly, Jesus really hasn't been that much a part of the season. And for many of us, even as Christians, we know how to put the Christian language over the holiday 
so that it has a spiritual flavor. But what I want to do is help introduce something to us so that we're more intentional about experiencing the holy day more than the holiday. I want us to experience the reason more than we experience the season. And sometimes in order to do that, you need something to guide you through the process. The early church had something that we're incorporating even into our own family over this holiday season. It's called the Advent. And what the Advent was, it was a celebration of the early church. And the early church was very liturgical in their worship. The early church involved a lot of symbols and a lot of imagery to keep their focus on God and their focus on Christ. And so they introduced in their worship experience something called Advent. What Advent was, it was a Christ-focused celebration that went from the Sunday after Thanksgiving until Christmas Day. The Advent was a season of fasting and a season of penitence and a season of reflection to make sure that in the midst of everything that went on in society, they remain a Christ-focused attention. Every one of the Advent symbols represents something. So the wreath represents the fact that eternal life is never ending. There's no end to eternal life. The wreath represents that God's love for us is never ending. There's, there's never an end to his love for us. Uh, some of the wreaths have what's called these little red berries on them, and the red berries reminded them that Jesus shed his blood for our sins. Everything has a symbol. It points to something. It's kind of like when we do communion. Communion, the bread and the juice point to something. Each one of the candles are a different color because the purple candles represent two things. They represent Repentance, but they also represent the royalty of Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords. The center candle, which was typically lit on Christmas Day, was the Christ candle. It was the purity candle. And every Sunday, they would light a different candle because every candle now represented something. So candle one represented hope. Candle two represented love. Candle three represented joy. Candle four represented peace. And so every Sunday, they would light another candle to remind them to remind them that in the center of everything was Jesus Christ and around everything we have hope and we have peace and we have joy and we have, um, and we have reconciliation and he gave his life for us and they would read scripture because they realized that sometimes we need something to hold on to to guide us through the holiday season. And one of the things I want to encourage you, because you can buy these on Amazon, you can buy them at the Christian bookstore, and we're going to do this so that every day as we read what's called an Advent scripture, you wake up in the morning and you're reflected, even before you do your shopping and even before you do everything, you wake up in the morning and you think, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Jesus, thank you that I have hope in you. Jesus, thank you for your love that was poured out for me. Jesus, thank you for being born in a manger. And we need those reminders. So then the question for us is, if this is a celebration of Advent, what does Advent mean? Now, this is, this is rich. Y'all ready for a little richness? 
The word advent means arrival. Arrival. And it's the arrival of Christ. And in the biblical story, there are two arrivals of Christ. The first arrival is the arrival of Christ at his birth. The arrival of Christ at his birth means that what God wanted to do through the birth of Jesus Christ is accomplish two things. He wanted to accomplish our redemption and he wanted to accomplish our reconciliation. In order for him to accomplish redemption, redemption means Jesus paid the price for our sins. In order for him to accomplish our redemption, Jesus had to become human. In the manger, what God did is he was fulfilling his plan that Jesus would die on the cross by becoming a human because by becoming a human, what Jesus was able to do was, number one, identify with us. To become human, Jesus needed to identify with us so that as I'm going through my suffering, as I'm being tempted, as I'm going through my struggle, Jesus can now identify with everything that I go through in life. Jesus understands my struggles. Jesus was tempted like we were yet without sin. And so Jesus was able to identify with me because he became a human like me. He not only became a human, watch this, to identify with me, he also became a human so that he could die for me. Jesus became a human so that he can walk, that he can be struggled, that he can be tempted, so that he can be a human to identify with me in order to die on the cross for me. That was the mission of the first advent. That's why what I need you to understand, the first advent represents the total life of Jesus Christ. In the first advent, we have his birth. We have his death. We have his burial. We have his resurrection. Why is that important? Because typically we separate those. We say at Christmas time, it's his birth. At Good Friday, it's his death. At Easter, it's his resurrection. But what I want you to understand, all of those represent the first advent that when Jesus came, he came to be born. He came to be born of a human because he needed to be born of a human in order to die like a human. And he had to be suffered as a human. That's why he was born as a human, so that he can go to the cross for all humans. But that's the first advent. The second advent is something we don't talk about because the first advent is his arrival at birth. His second advent is when he come again as king of kings and lord of lords. We celebrate his first arrival, but we anticipate his second arrival because when he comes again, he's coming again as the king of kings and the lord of lords. He's coming again to set up his kingdom. He's coming again to put all things in order. And what I need you to understand is just because we don't have a holiday for his return, I need you to remind you he's coming back again. And he's coming back again as the king of kings and the lord of lords. And so while I celebrate what he's done in the past, I live every day in anticipation that he's coming again as the king of kings and the lord of lords. And so I live in between two advents. Now, why is that important? Because he's coming back the second time unlike he came the first time. 
The first time he came in a manger, birds have, uh, birds have no place to live. The Son of Man has no place to live. Foxes have holes. He came suffering. They crucified him. They beat him. He came to be put on the cross as the suffering servant. He came and he was whipped and he was beaten. But I want you to know, that's how he came the first time. The second time, he's not coming as a lamb. He's not coming to be taken to slaughter. He's not coming to be put on the cross. He's not coming to be whipped all night long. He's not coming to be interrogated. He's not coming. He's coming back again. And the Bible says he's going to take his enemies and they're going to become his footstool. And with the word of his mouth, he's going to speak and all of his enemies are going to fall to their feet. And that's why the Bible says, and at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and on the side is going to say King of kings and Lord of lords. I just need to remind you he came once but he's coming back again as the king and don't you forget it. And we need to be reminded of that because every day we live our life in the midst of this broken world and I live my life not only in celebration of what he did, but in anticipation that he's coming back again. And can I tell you something? And when he comes back again, he's not coming back to set up a socialist economy. He's not coming back to set up a Republican government, a Democratic government. He's not coming back to be one of many dictators. He's not coming back to make America a Christian nation. He's coming back to set up his kingdom. And in his kingdom, he will rule forevermore because the Bible says, and the government shall rest on his shoulders. We got to put things back in the right perspective. And that's what gives us our hope. That's what gives us our joy. That's what gives us our peace. And so when I celebrate Advent, I'm celebrating what he's done. That he, he was born to be human so that he can die for me. He was born that he could go to the cross he ascended back to heaven because he says, my mission and my assignment for the first advent is done. Reconciliation and redemption has been accomplished. Now when I come back in the second advent, I'm coming back to reign and to rule. I'm coming back to reign and to rule. So now when we do this advent, and every candle represents something that's tied to advent, so... The first candle is your candle of hope. It's hope. And what is hope? Hope is that assurance that we have based on the promise of God. I don't know, but in life, everybody will find themselves in a place where you need hope. You need something to hold on to. You need something to believe in. And the Bible says that our hope is in God. Well, why is my hope in God? My hope is in God because I believe that what God does is God is able to fulfill his promises. That if God has promised them to you, I have the hope that God is willing and he's able to fulfill that which he promised. I can promise you, but I'm not always able, even if I'm willing. And if I'm willing, I may not always be able. My God is both willing and able to fulfill that which he has promised in your life. 
Well, how do I know that? Well, let's go to our Christmas story, Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, here's the key verse. Verse 22. Now, all this took place, here's the key word in the key verse, to fulfill. That which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. In other words, what he does is he quotes in this passage from Isaiah chapter 7. Verse, that's why in verse 23 it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God is with us. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Why is that important? Because in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it is a reminder to Israel. Israel, you have been in captivity. Israel, you have been oppressed. Israel, you have been in slavery. Israel, your land has been destroyed. Your temple has been destroyed. Your wall have been destroyed. I hear your prayers. And I am going to send a deliverer. One by the name of Messiah, Christ, the anointed one, the son of David. And he will come and he will restore. He will reconcile. He will make all things new. But Israel said, but I'm in captivity. Israel said, but we're suffering. So what they have to do is they have to cling on to God's hope even in the midst of their situation. Now, from the time Israel prophesied in Isaiah to the coming of Jesus was 700 years. In other words, what I'm here to tell you, I don't know how long it will take, but hope reminds us that he may not come when you want to, but he's always on time because sometimes he's working other things out, not just what you're going through, but sometimes he's working out other things that involve you that needs to unfold to fulfill, to demonstrate what God is ultimately trying to hold so all I'm telling you is just keep hanging on, keep holding on, because if God has promised it, God will fulfill his promise. What I want you to understand is if God can work a miracle in the manger, if God can send forth his son, born of a human, born in a manger of a virgin who did not conceive by human interaction but was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit in order to accomplish his promises, what in your life are you going through that the miracle of God cannot manifest himself in the manger of your life? And that's our hope. And for some of you today as you end this year, and going to next year. I'm here to tell you if God has promised it, well, what has he promised? Well, he's promised to save you. He's promised to forgive you. He's promised to be your provider. He's promised to be your healer. He's promised to be your guide. He's promised to be your light. He's promised to be there for you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Whatever he's promised, I want you to mind, no matter what you're going through, I got to cling on to his hope. Even when I can't see it, even when I don't understand it, even when I don't know how he's going to do it, I don't have to know how he's going to do it. All I need to be reminded of is that if he said he's going to do it, he's able to do it, and he will do it. I just hold on to it. And that's why every day when I wake up, you know, I do my Advent 
prayer and I do my Advent scripture because when I go out into the world, I got to cling on to the hope that I have in Jesus Christ. I can't guarantee what's going to happen with the economy. I can't guarantee what's going to happen with employment. I can't guarantee what's going to happen with job. I can't guarantee what's going to happen with our health. You know, I can't stand here and say, you know what, 2023 is going to be better and you're going to be more blessed in 2023. I can't make all them promises that 2023 may not be, it may be worse than 2022. But what I can tell you is no matter what happens in 2023, God's hope sustains and will keep keep you. I can't make that promise because God made that promise. That's why Hebrews says this, and I want to look at this real quickly. Notice what Hebrews says. Just write it down. We're going to have it on the screen. Hebrews chapter 6, and he's talking about Christ. And this is what he says. I want you to look at this. And this may be your, your Advent scripture for this week, but it says here, listen to this. This hope we have as an anchor. This hope we have as an anchor. You know what an anchor does? It grounds you. And notice what it anchors. It, it anchors my soul. This hope we have that God's hope that's based on his ability to fulfill his promises through Jesus Christ is an anchor of my soul. Notice what it says. And this hope is sure and steadfast. It's rock solid. And that's the hope that we have. And so I just want to invite you as we go through the holiday season, you know, to just pause and not let the season pull us into all of the busyness and the craziness, but let's not get caught as much in the season as the one who is the reason. I, I want to end... And here's an example of an Advent prayer. You can go online and you can get Advent scriptures. You can get Advent prayers. And I just want to pause and I want to read this prayer. And I want you to reflect on what I'm getting ready to share with you. Because I just thought it was such an incredible Advent prayer. And it reads as follows. This Advent, Lord, come to the manger of my heart. Fill me with your presence from the very start. As I prepare for the holidays and gifts to be given, remind me of the gift you gave when you sent your son from heaven. The first Christmas gift, it was the greatest gift ever. You came as a baby born in a manger. Wrapped like the gifts I find under my tree, waiting to be open to reveal your love to me. Here's our prayer. Restore to me the wonder that came with Jesus' birth. When he left the riches of heaven and wrapped himself in rags of earth. Emmanuel, God with us, your presence came that night. And angels announced into your darkness, God brings his light. Do not be afraid, they said to shepherds in the field. Speak to my heart today, Lord, and help me yield and help me to yield. Make me like those shepherd boys, obedient to your call. 
setting distractions aside and worries, to you I surrender them all. Surround me with your presence, Lord. I long to hear your voice. Clear my mind of countless concerns and all the holiday noise. Slow me down this Christmas. Let me not be in a rush. In the midst of parties and plannings, I want to feel your hush. This Christmas, Jesus, come to the manger of my heart. Invade my soul like Bethlehem, bringing peace to every part. Dwell within me and around me as I unwrap your presence each day. Keep me close to you, Lord. It's in your wonderful name I pray. That's an Advent prayer. And so as we pray, I just want to invite you to just think about what is that intentional plan that you will incorporate in your life to keep you grounded around the reason as you're being pulled into the season. For us, because we, we get pulled into the season, we get pulled into the church work, we get pulled into preparing for all the things we do for the church. And so we said, let's incorporate this so that we can pray, and we have our scripture, and we have our candle, and we have our moment. It sits on our dining room table. That's what we're going to do, but I want to encourage you to find something that keeps you intentional. Father, right now, in the name of your son, Jesus, who is the Christ, we're reminded that Christ died on the cross for our sins. We're reminded that first he was born of a virgin in the fullness of time. God sent forth his son, born of a virgin, that he might live, suffer, be tempted, die on the cross for my sins, buried, rose on the third day to accomplish his plan of redemption for the first advent. And now every day, Lord, I live my life in anticipation that he's coming back again. The Bible says no man know the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come. But we want to be ready when the Son of Man appears. I pray on today for every one of us that, one, we know Christ by inviting him into our life and trusting him as our Savior. I pray, number two, that each and every day we are daily surrendering ourselves to him that we might live in view and anticipation of his return. For he is coming back. Lord, we thank you and we ask you this in Jesus' name. Together, let us all say amen.